Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. Our scripture reading this morning is from the second chapter of Genesis, verses 1 through 3, and Matthew 12, verses 1 through 8. Listen to the word of the Lord. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing, so that on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And now from the book of Matthew. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and began to pick some heads of grain and eat them. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. He answered, Haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God, and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for them to do, but only for the priests. Or haven't you read the law that the priests on the Sabbath day in the temple desecrate the Sabbath and yet are innocent? I tell you that something greater than the temple is here. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. As you can probably tell this morning, we have the theme of uh, the Sabbath as what we're going to be talking about in our message today. So let's just take a second here before we jump into the sermon. Uh, When you hear the word Sabbath, what comes to mind? So turn to someone near you and share what comes to mind when you hear the word or the concept of Sabbath. Go. Okay. I'm curious to hear what some of those things were. So what, what comes to mind when you hear the word Sabbath? Black Sabbath. What's that? Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath. <laughs> Got it. Very good. Rest. Thank you, Sandy. <laughs> Difficult. Difficult. Yeah, it's kind of out there, challenging for us. Rules. Ugh. Unproductive. Yeah, it is very unproductive. That's good. So this is the Sabbath. Doesn't that sound incredible? Most of the things that we think of when we think of Sabbath are somewhat off-putting. But what I hope to share this morning, uh, I want to make a case for the Sabbath. So if we look back in Genesis 2, uh, verses 2 and 3, these are the words we find. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. In this sermon series, we have followed each day of creation, all seven days of creation now, as a template for the ways in which we can re-enter into beginnings into into our lives. So on the seventh day, what we find is that the story ends with rest. After six days of creation, the seventh day is a day marked for rest, for stopping. God blessed the seventh day and he rested. That word rested in Hebrew is the word Shabbat, which literally means to stop, that God stopped. That's what the Sabbath means. 
It means to rest. It means to stop. This for us might bring up some, some questions for us. Why did God choose to rest? Did he need rest? Was he fatigued? Was he tired? Or is this pointing us to something greater? I believe that God chose to rest to show us that this is the way in which we are created to exist. Resting and stopping are a part of the rhythm of life. And as a culture, I think we have just forgotten how to stop. Even as we talk about what is this idea of Sabbath sound to us, for us it seems like a burden. <laughs> Having idle time seems to be something to be avoided for us in our culture. Instead, we have tr traded rest for productivity. If we were to look at the, our lives, most of us have the goal to get the most done in our days. Recently, I read that people were actually really nervous um, in the Industrial Revolution with the future of our society. And what was their concern? Their concern was, with all of these machines doing the work that we used to do, we as a society, we'd have too much leisure time, and we would be falling to slothfulness, not doing enough. I don't think their concerns are found in our life today. You would think that increased productivity would lead to our ability, our increased ability to stop, to rest. But it seems like it, it has led to more of a frantic life, pursuing more productivity, more busyness, finding more noise. It's almost like productivity for us is like this carrot dangling in front of the horse that is just taunting us with something that is just outside our grasp. We need a different rhythm into our life. What we need we need to discover and rediscover the Sabbath. When we look back at Genesis 2-3, what do we notice about the Sabbath? What do we notice by this day? It was blessed and made holy. The Sabbath was the first holy thing in all of creation. The word holy means set apart, distinct, different. And so throughout all of creation, all these things were so good, but this day was the first holy thing uh, some Jewish scholars talk about the Sabbath as a temple in time. So oftentimes we think of something holy as a, a sacred place or a sacred experience, but this is a sacred set of time, a holy temple in time. God set apart a day so that we would experience something holy set apart and sacred with him. So why did God rest on the Sabbath? My answer is God rested on the Sabbath to show us that it is good. It is good to stop and rest. This is how the maker designed the world to work, uh, to, work to have ry rhythms of rest and renewal. So last week we heard from Ron, who uh, talked beautifully about how we are created in the image of God, and that gives us agency and dominion, but also the God whose image we bear showed us that to be a part of that image means to rest. God demonstrated that for us. And it's almost as if we read this passage and we see God choosing to rest and we kind of, our response is, well, that's interesting. I just wish if it was important to God that maybe God would command us to do so. Oh yeah, he actually did. Over and over again, he did make it a commandment. Many times over, in particular, when God had delivered uh, the people, the Hebrew people from captivity in Egypt and was leading them to the promised land, along that way, God said, I want to give you some laws. I want to give you some things that will be for you pillars of how I want you to exist in this world. This is the framework for this little nation, and it included things like these Ten Commandments. It included things like do not murder, do not steal, do not worship false idols. And in the middle of the commandments, 
God called his people to remember the Sabbath. In short, this is what he said in Exodus 20, uh, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now, if you were to actually read this passage, um, out of all the commandments that are uh, scattered throughout, all ten commandments, the section on Sabbath takes up one-third of all of the words in that section. It's like significantly more than any other commandment that we have. And notice, it is the only commandment with the word remember. Remember the Sabbath. Remember to rest. Remember to set aside a day just to be with me. It was already a part of their story, but God knew that they would be tempted to forget. Tempted to forget the importance of it. It's shocking to me how when we look at these Ten Commandments, what we've really said is there's nine commandments and one subtle suggestion that many of us just totally discount. Why is it that by and large, we have dismissed this instruction from God so easily to remember the, the Sabbath and keep it holy? Well, God wanted the nation of Israel to be different. God wanted the nation of Israel to be set apart. To remember that they were once slaves, but they've been delivered and set free. They were once slaves that had no opportunity to stop, to rest, but now they have been delivered and they have a new king, a king who is God, who would want them to experience renewal. God did not deliver them as slaves to be a people, to be slaves in a new and different land. So in this way, the practice of Sabbath is much like a protest movement against the empire. It's a protest movement that people are not meant to go 24-7. We are more than cogs in wheels. We are people who are beloved by God, valued in God, not only by what, by what we produce, but by simply bearing God's image. There's a human dignity given to us as people because we are children of God. There's actually debate now within Christian circles. I'm sorry I'm sick, but you're going to have to deal with it. Um, uh, there's actually a debate within Christian circles uh, if this commandment is still valid for us today. And oftentimes, even when I looked online, I found myself giggling about this. Um, is most of the time the question is, do Christians still have to observe the Sabbath? And even in that question, we find out just our posture around this. Do we still have to? Like it's taking out the trash or a nuisance. Like, oh, do we still have to? Mom and dad, do we still have to? It's, it's, we, we need to rediscover what the Sabbath is, how to observe the Sabbath. Because if not, we will let it be some dusty, out-of-date commandment or a nuisance like a chore. Well, some might say, well, that was for a different culture. That was the Old Testament. That's not what we, uh, we find in Jesus. But as we read in this passage today, this was very much rest and renewal was a part of Jesus' life. It was a part of his way. If you're familiar with the life of Jesus, you know that Jesus practiced rhythms and rest. Jesus was the author and perfecter of our faith. He says to us, come and follow me. And what we need to read as, as we realize, as we read through the Gospels, is that Jesus was a pro at stopping. He was a pro at getting away, disappearing in silence and solitude. Oftentimes, Right after his greatest miracles, everyone would be looking for him, but he would be found in the lonely places. After, uh, after that, he'd go missing, and people would be wondering where he was. And the disciples just knew that this is what he does. This is who Jesus is. Jesus had an incredible ability to sleep in the most obscure places. Anyone else have that ability? You can fall asleep anywhere, everywhere. 
I know there's half this room going, yep, and the other half goes, I'm so jealous, I'm so annoyed by you. Um, but one time there was a storm and Jesus was just calmly asleep on the very bottom of this boat. Jesus was often found in the holy temple on Sabbath, being with God's people, being alone with God in prayer. Just like the creator demonstrated on day seven, that it is good to stop and rest. So Jesus uh, showed, us, uh, showed us that we are called into a rest and renewal, that we need Sabbath. In Matthew 12, we just heard earlier this wonderful story from Jesus' life, and a story about Sabbath. Jesus and his friends, what we might not know, is they're walking to the temple. They're heading to the temple on the Sabbath. And I, what I like to do sometimes, I like to imagine these scenarios, not that I, I know what happened, but I like to imagine these scenarios and actually let my imagination be engaged when I read Scripture. And I like to imagine the disciples and Jesus walking through these fields of grain, not having some like holier-than-thou moment, but just laughing, sharing life, being friends, and as they're walking along, just picking the grains and eating it like normal people would do. But on that day, the religious elite were watching them with contempt. They were spending their Sabbath waiting to judge Jesus and his followers. And so as the followers of Jesus were eating these grains, they thought to themselves, ah, there it is. They are hypocrites. They are harvesting on the Sabbath. They have broken the rules. They are not holy or righteous. And they actually said in verse 2, in Matthew 12, look, your disciples are doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath. But that was their idea of what the Sabbath was about. It was not God's idea. The Pharisees' problem was that they created and centered themselves around a misunderstanding of the law. To make sure that they were holy and set apart, they created a list of rules around God's law. To make sure that they did not break the law, they created a, like this protection around the law so they never got even, even close to it. It was a good posture. But the problem is, they began giving that list of rules to everyone else. And if people broke their rules, they were then breaking God's rules. In this list of rules that they had around God's law, they, they called it their yoke. So when you followed a certain rabbi, you put on their yoke and you lived by their rules. You lived by their, their list of duties. And so that was, uh, it was almost like a, what you do with livestock. You put on a yoke and then you drive them a certain direction. So if you followed a Pharisee, you put on his yoke and you didn't eat grain on the Sabbath because that was part of that law. So hold on to that concept for a second. So the Pharisees chastised Jesus for allowing his disciples to break the Sabbath. But Jesus said to them, when did God say you cannot snack on the Sabbath? That's my version, my translation. Jesus tried to then reframe their understanding of what the Sabbath actually is meant for. He wanted to give them a different perspective of what rest and rule looked like. And he quoted this, this beautiful line from a, a prophet, Hosea. And he said this, if you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. This was Jesus' response for the, the, the burden that was the Sabbath for them. Jesus said, you need to know this about the Sabbath. It is a day of mercy. It's not a day for you to impress God with your sacrifices. It's not a day to show off to other people how holy you are. It's a day to know how to receive mercy. Sabbath is a gift. It's not a burden. Then Jesus made a profound declaration. 
He said in Matthew 12, 8, he said, for the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Oftentimes, people gave Jesus names. Jesus referred to himself with a few names. This is one of the names that Jesus called himself, that he is the Lord of the Sabbath. It belongs to me. That's what Jesus is saying. The Sabbath belongs to me. So therefore, Jesus did not dismiss the practice of, of Sabbath and leave it in the Old Testament. Jesus said, actually, it's mine, and I'm going to show you what it's really about. I find this interesting, but right before Matthew 12, where we find not only this story about Sabbath, but another story about Sabbath, I want you to see what precedes right before that, because oftentimes we just open up our Bible or open up our phones and just see right there, but sometimes it's helpful to look in context. What came right before this? What sets up this demonstration that Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath? It's this, Matthew eleven, twenty-eight through 30. This is Jesus' words. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you, you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Man, who... When you read that from Jesus, whose heart and soul just go, kind of cracks open a little bit, kind of goes, oh, that's what I need. That's what I need right now in my life. What you need right now in your life is Sabbath. That's what you need. Jesus' yoke was not a yoke of duty, of religiosity, of burdens. Jesus' yoke was that of grace and renewal. Jesus does not put on his yoke on us so that he can drive us further and harder. Jesus puts on his yoke so quite often he can say to us, it's time to stop. It's time to rest. That's enough. That's enough for today. That's enough for this week. I'm going to lead you beside quiet waters. I'm going to still your soul because I love you and you're more than a thing. You're my beloved. This is the purpose of Jesus's yoke. And as we walk through these six days of new beginnings, it ends with a call to Sabbath. After six hard days of work, of trying to enter into a new beginning, oftentimes we need rest. Because it's so unknown, I just want to spend the rest of our time helping unpack how we can practice Sabbath, not as some dusty old ritual, but something that can give life to our souls today. There are four steps that I want to talk through just with Sabbath. I'm going to go through them quickly. We've, we're done working this past, but my guess is if we talk about this once a year, it might not be enough. So what is the gift of Sabbath? There's four practices. First, the practice of Sabbath begins by stopping. This time is sacred. It, it's set apart. It's different so that we can experience uh, the sweetness of Sabbath. That means we must set aside a time that we begin by stopping. Whatever is driving your days, all the other uh, experiences of your life, Consider that and then choose to shut it down. Um, I've shared this before, but I have a new practice I'm trying out. It's very difficult for me. But on the Sabbath, what I'm trying to do is, I'm actually, like what fills my day oftentimes is text messages, social media, checking in with things. So I've actually started this practice where I'm turning off my phone. If there's like a button on the side of your phone, if you hold it down long enough, then you swipe to the right and it slowly shuts it down. But just to remind you how evil it is, it'll just show you a little icon of an apple with a bite out of it. I mean, just take your assumptions of what that means, how evil that might mean. 
Genesis 3 right there. But I turn it off. I try to turn it off. It's, it's difficult for me because it drives the rest of my day. It fills whatever void I have in my day. And so I need time. I need a day where it does not fill my day. It does not fill the voids of my days. And so it drives my day. So I, I choose to stop. And this is an important caveat for us. There's nothing holy and special about Sunday. I know that we could debate about that. But the Jewish community actually had practiced Sabbath on Saturday. For us, we typically talk about it, us and Chick-fil-A, we talk about it on Sunday. <laughs> but I, what, the reason why I say this is this is really important because the biggest response, the most common response I, I get about practice, practicing the Sabbath is someone said it, which is like, how in the world could we do that? Set aside a whole day? Well, my, my response is begin where you are. If you can't set aside 24 hours, set aside Thursday evenings, set aside Saturday mornings, whatever it is, whatever margin that you can try to create, do it. Meet God where you are, and I promise God will show you if God wants to expand it. But just a warning, this kind of sacrifice takes, uh, takes faith, takes intentionality. It won't come naturally. This kind of time is made. It's not found. You're not going to stumble on the Sabbath. You're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to make it. You have to schedule stopping. There's another way to say it. Especially um, those with little kids. I know we have a lot of little kids in our church. Um, you will need to make a plan. The Sabbath usually is a communal call because oftentimes for us to stop, we need other people to remind us to stop. So for those with young children, there's been times in our life where a Sabbath uh, for Jen was a morning, a morning where I would get up with the kids and make sure that she had a couple hours to herself. Um, and that's not a bad thing. It's not a bad place to start. Um, so if you have people in your life, whether it be roommates or uh, a spouse, you might want to ask the question, how can I make room in your week to stop? Like this would be a good conversation for your household to have. Like when do you think you could stop and how can I help you make that happen? It's a time where we intentionally stop so that we can go do something else, so that we can rest. So secondly, we rest. Rest is an act of faith. We live in a culture that weighs the goodness of our days by how much we produce, how much we accomplish. But instead, the Sabbath, we rest. That means a guilt-free nap, having a favorite bench at a park that you sit at, or daydreaming. Remember how, how you used to do that? Daydreaming? Sabbath is a day where we show our life that we're not judged um, by those skills. We're judged by something else other than productivity and efficiency. We cannot be renewed if we don't stop and rest. The sad truth is that if we don't rest, our bodies will make us rest. I've heard often, too often in our culture that sickness has become our Sabbath. And I know how ironic it is that I'm sick right now. But oftentimes, if we don't learn this rhythm, our bodies will teach us this rhythm. We have run ourselves ragged until our bodies shut down. But if we learn this rhythm of stopping and resting, then we have capacity to do something more which is to delight. The third thing we do on the Sabbath is we delight. Sabbath, Sabbath is a gift. We are not a rule-bound, it's not some rule-bound, lifeless duty. It's a gift where our souls can be filled again. So a major question on the Sabbath is this. In what do you delight? For you personally, what causes you delight? St. Arrhenius said it so beautifully. St. Arrhenius said many, many years ago, the glory of God is someone fully alive. When you are fully alive, God goes, yes. So the question is, what causes you to be fully 
alive. You know, for some people, it might be a jog. For some people, it might be gardening. For some people, it might be having people over and cooking. And other people are like, no, we eat out. That does not sound like a delight for me to have people over. Whatever it is that causes you to feel fully alive, make that a priority on the Sabbath. He wants this day to be filled with delight. So you stop, you rest, you experience delight, but then there's something more. Lastly, the Sabbath is for worship. Sabbath and the experience of Sabbath uh, is, is linked to worship. It's a day that we stop and we rest and we delight, and all of a sudden we are filled with gratitude. Oh, this, the, the joy and the goodness of life. And what do we do with that gratitude? Then we turn to God. We turn to God with that gratitude. We spend time in scripture and we spend time in prayer and devotion. For me, my time in, in time in prayer with God is usually taking a walk on the Sabbath. If your Sunday is, is Sunday is your Sabbath, you come to worship, to meet with God and meet with others. You spend time in reflection to remember who God has been for you. And notice there is a progression. We must stop before we rest. And after we rest, we delight. And in delighting, we turn to God and worship. This is the gift of Sabbath. We have walked through all of these seven weeks. We need to be reminded that it, it ends with rest, walking towards beginnings, facing our monsters, taking risks. Sometimes it takes a toll. I think it's God's desire for us to rest so that we re-enter God's recreative work all over again. So the vine wants to help you explore these, uh, this habit of Sabbath. And Lent is a great time for you to disrupt your rhythms and habits. And so we actually created a website um, called thevineaustin.org backslash Sabbath that gives you, um, if you can go ahead and, and pull that up, it gives you resources and ideas and a really handsome man talking. Um, but we're just, this is our, our, our means of exploring uh, what the Sabbath could look like for each of us. It's not a one, uh, one size fits all. But I, we are passionate as a church. We are passionate about the Sabbath because we need it in this world today. And because the Sabbath teaches us about the gospel, it teaches us about the good news of Jesus. If y'all remember, what day was humanity created? Six, thank you. The sixth day humanity was created. So think about that. On day six, humanity was created. And then on the seventh day, what did humanity do? Spend it with God. They spent that time with God. That means humanity's first day was a day with God, where they rested with God. They spent time with God. They knew God and God knew them. It was a day of delight and intimacy. This is the rhythm from which we live from. The rest and love and grace, it's not something we earn in God's kingdom. It's something that we begin from. We are given rest and grace and mercy, and we go from there already embraced, already renewed. This is the demonstration of what the Sabbath is. Sabbath is God's desire to be with us. And if Jesus truly is the Lord of the Sabbath, he has shown you the great links that he has gone to be with you. So put on his yoke, put on his rest, and find life for your soul.